Well, good morning, church. I hope you guys are excited to be here. You know, we just just got done singing that song, and, uh, you know, worship is a big part of, of what we as Christians do. Um, those those songs, those lyrics, that the, the music, everything about worship is, it gives us this sort of direct connect to the Lord, doesn't it? Don't you, don't you feel sometimes as you're worshiping that you just have this, just this oneness? You know, I, a lot of times, and you all can't tell because I'm usually up front here, I just stand with my eyes closed because I just want to take it in. I remember when uh, Sean and I went to Asbury when the revival was going on down there, and they, they were just, it was just, just, we were there for a couple hours, and, and there was just tons of worship that was happening. And I remember just, just sitting there with my eyes closed just so I could take it in. Um, and, and maybe part of that is just because I'm a pastor, and, and we don't get very many opportunities to be fed. You know, that's, that's truth. Brother Gary's here. He knows that that's, that's a thing for us, you know, and glad to see you get back again today, Brother Gary. But, um, you know, sometimes you just need to be fed, don't you? Sometimes you just need this, this oneness with the Lord. And, and that's what we're able to do. And, and, and you're able to, to accomplish that in many different ways. One of those ways is through worship. And I'm so thankful uh, that, that we have someone who is working towards that goal of, of freeing us in our worship. Because let's just be honest. Us Baptists, we like to be a little uptight, don't we? I mean... <laughs> Our worship leader says, she answered for you. If you're afraid to answer, she went, I'll do it. <clears throat> we should be free to move in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's good. Why? Because he's right. Why? Because he's the one that pushed you towards getting your soul saved anyway. Because if it was left up to our own vices, guess what? We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have pursued the Lord, would we? He came after us. And I'm thankful that he did. Turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. We are going way back to the beginning of the book. If you don't know where Genesis is, just open up a few pages in the very beginning. Um, and we're going to be taking a look in, in, like I said, chapter 22, specifically verses 1 through 13. This particular sermon, I called it, It Takes Faith. And we're going to be talking a little bit about faith, and uh, as we have been, uh, what was funny is when Brother Gary did come to preach here a few weeks ago, um, we didn't really talk about, hey, what are you going into? And he preached on a sermon on faith. It's totally where I was going anyway. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been preaching through faith, Gary. So um, it was just the, what the Lord does. He brings things together. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea that it takes faith. Now, the first thing I want to do, and this is a little bit of a deviation of the way that I normally do things. Timmy, if you would, go ahead and put the first thing up on the screen. Hopefully, it's not going to flash a bunch of times today. We did a little work this morning on that. Um, but the first thing you see there is it says, it takes faith to wait on the Lord. Can anybody here just join me in that idea that it takes faith to wait on the Lord? I know I've got at least one person in this room. <laughs> and she's right over here. She always says, boy, you're praying for patience. Be, you know, better be, be careful. Watch what you're asking for. And she's right. 100% right. It's hard to wait on the Lord, isn't it? So I'm going to take you through a couple of places. You, you don't really have to, if you want to flip there, you can. I'm going to tell you where I'm going. It's all in Genesis, though, where, where we are. If, if you were to flip back to Genesis chapter 12, we're going to be talking about uh, Abraham and Sarah. Now, back in, in chapter 12, he was called Abram and, and Sarah was Sarai. And, 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 and just understand that I'm not going to continually refer back and forth between Abram or Abraham. I'm just going to call him Abraham just so that we're all on the same page. Um, but in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 specifically, this is sort of a prelude to where we're going to be going in chapter 22. And I just want to sort of bring us all up to speed here. And this idea of faith and what it takes to have faith, in this instance, as we go through a few things here at the very beginning, we're going to see just how much faith it takes to wait on the Lord. So in Genesis 12, verse 7, 
it's, um, it, it talks about how um, the Lord appears before Abraham there, about when Abraham was roughly 75 years old, and he was given a promise. And what you'll see there in that verse 7 is it says, to your offspring I will give this land. So right there, Abraham is given, given some information about his future. To this point, 75 years old, uh, Sarah is, uh, she's, she's younger than he is. Um, she's uh, 10 years younger than him, so uh, do the math there. She's 65, if he's 75. And they've not had any children up to this point. And now the Lord is saying, I'm going to give you offspring. And most of you, that should be terrifying. I'm only 49. I'm done. So, um, but, but here's the thing, and don't get me wrong, my daughter's amazing. I, maybe that came off wrong. You were tough when you were little, but you're good now. <laughs> but, but, but Abraham has given this, 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 this sort of future, you know, look. To your offspring, I will give this land. If you jump forward now to Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, I'm not going to read through all those. I'm going to kind of paraphrase through some of that, but... There, you get to see that the Lord, again, he peers before Abraham, and he tells him, he says, your very own son shall be your heir. And then he says to him, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to them, to Abraham, the Lord says, so shall your offspring be. Now, if I'm Abraham, I'm taking that as a sign that I'm having a child. Specifically, I'm going to have a son. Because if you're talking about me having offspring going forward, that's me carrying my name as being carried forward. But the problem is, is this promise of this offspring, it didn't come with any instruction. So Abraham and his wife, they saw fit to make this problem happen in their way and in their time. And if you know the story at all, you're going to know that, that they took matters into their own hands. And I can assure you that when the Lord makes you a promise, he will fulfill the promise. He doesn't need your help. If you don't have instructions about how to move forward, there's probably a good reason for that. It means that you need to wait. However, Abraham and Sarah, they, they saw fit that, you know, the Lord said that your offspring's going to come, it's going to do this stuff. And they thought, you know what, it's not happened yet. It's not happened and. We're just going to, we're going to make it happen. So in Genesis chapter 16, after 10 years of waiting for offspring, Sarah, Abraham's wife, who was barren, she wasn't able to have children still. So now here she is. She's, she's 75, you know, 75 years old herself at this time. She's not able to have children. They decided to intervene into God's most amazing and perfect plan. And she decided, I'm going to give my husband, Abraham, another wife, one who can bear him a child. And so, so she gives to Abraham her servant named uh, Hagar uh, as a wife to bear him a child uh, that, was, that was promised from the Lord. The Lord said, I am going to give you offspring. Your offspring is going to be as numerous as the stars, basically is how he worded that. And Hagar joins with uh, uh, Abraham as a wife. She, gets, she conceives. She has a son named Ishmael. And this all occurs when now Abraham is 86 years old. So you may think, you know, well, okay, this is fine. You know, God didn't give him a, a manual. This is okay. They, they made it happen. He said he would have offspring. This is all good. This is it, right? No, this wasn't God's plan. This wasn't how it was supposed to, to come about. So then in Genesis chapter 17, the Lord appears before Abraham again, and he tells him that his wife Sarah, specifically now, is going to have a son, and that Ishmael is not the one who was promised. Instead, the child's name is going to be Isaac. And then Abraham gets this, gets this news, this message, this new message with a little more detail in it this time when he's 99 years old. So, so now he's 99 years old. Sarah, she's 89 years old. They just now learned, you're about to have a son. Now, at the age of 100, Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, this is where you get to see at age 100, Sarah being 90 years old, 
their son Isaac would be born. And he would be the one who the Lord was talking about, who the Lord had promised, who said, who said this is what's coming. This is going to be your offspring, who's going to be as numerous as the stars, the one that's going to be as numerous as the, the sand on the seashore, like all these things that, if you know any of the, 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 uh, the old scriptures, this is what the Lord was pointing to and talking about. The problem is, is that we are impatient people, aren't we? It took 25 years for the Lord to deliver on this particular promise. The Lord didn't say, I'm going to give you a son and it's going to happen like that tomorrow. He said, I'm going to do this. Trust me. And the Lord does that for each of us. He works in our lives. He says, he says I'm going to do these things. I'm going to call you to these things. Trust me. And then we go, well, I must get busy. I must hurry up and interject. The Lord needs me. Does he need you? Or has he accomplished everything that we, that we can even see or envision himself? He's created the entire world, the entire universe. He spoke things into existence. Do you think he can't accomplish his perfect plan without you? Because he can, and he will. He uses us, however. I'm not saying that he doesn't desire you. He absolutely desires you. And we have Jesus Christ as proof of that, don't we? You see, but we're called to wait. We're called to be patient, even though we know that that's a hard word. We're called to wait on the Lord. The next thing to me, if you will put up the next one there, it takes faith to then trust in the Lord's plan. So, take a look then at our text. In, in chapter 22... We're going to read down to uh, verse 5. And so it says in chapter 22, After these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. When you go from where we were just a moment ago, talking about how we are waiting on the Lord, waiting on his plan. Abraham was told this is what's going to happen, and it took 25 years for that time to get here, for his, for his son to finally be born. And now all of a sudden we get to see the Lord says, hey, I want you to take your son, your only son, the only one that I'm counting, the one that I promised. I want you to take him, and I want you to go kill him. This is the Lord's plan. We have to trust in the Lord's plan, don't we? Even if we don't understand the Lord's plan, don't we still have to trust in it? How do you do that when you just waited 25 years for this plan to come to light? And now all of a sudden you're being told, I want you to take that plan, this, this, this person or this thing or this situation, that it took 25 years for you to see come to light, and I want you to now squash it. Aren't you questioning something? Aren't you going, well, hang on a second, God, what do you, what do you, what? Right? But this is the Lord's plan. We're supposed to be trusting in the Lord's plan, aren't we? Who am I to second guess God in the grand scheme of things? I'm nobody, aren't I? Am I, am I just simply a, a man of flesh who was born into sin, who can't make good, right decisions, who has to get on his knees and beg for mercy and forgiveness from the Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for my forgiveness? That's who I am. I'm a sinner at heart. And yet I have the ability to question the Lord? That seems a little wrong, you know, just completely wrong, one-sided, uh, lopsided, whatever you want to call it. 
it takes faith to trust in the Lord's plan. You've got to believe that he knows what he's doing. The next part of this is that it takes faith to walk the Lord's plan. Now, it's one thing to hear this from the Lord. For Abraham, it's one thing that he went, okay, I waited on the Lord 25 years. Now you're calling me to take my son Isaac and sacrifice him. Okay, I, I hear you. I hear you. Got it. This is your plan. It's another thing for you to now put that plan into action, isn't it? Because how many people in this room would, would not be like Abraham, but instead be like Jonah? Who was like, nope, out of here. Hide telling it the other way. Lord won't get me. He won't find me. And then you get swallowed up by fish, puked out, and all that stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, like, like, here's the thing. It takes faith to walk the Lord's path. Let's take a look, continuing on in our, in our, uh, our stuff. We're going to go verses 6 through 9. So at 6, verse 6, it says, And Abraham took the, word of the, burnt, uh, took the wood of the burnt offering. He laid it on, his, uh, he laid it on, his, on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and they both went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to a place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. As a father, flesh, no different than you, I'm like, no way. Are you with me? Do you know how hard that has to be? For anyone in this room who has ever struggled to even have a child, when Sean and I was able to finally conceive Sierra, it took years. She wasn't just like, oh, hey, I think we'll, we'll make this happen, and then it happened. We actually tried for years to have her. And, oh, what a blessing. She was born on Father's Day. I just really felt like, man, what a gift, you know? And then you want me now to lay her on an altar and sacrifice her? It's going to cause me to pause, right? Except that we get to see from the text that Abraham got up early gets up early. Who does that? He gets the wood and everything together, gets everything prepped. He gives, he's like, here, son, take all this wood. He's going to strap it to your back. By the way, I'm about to burn you to death on it. I mean, like, like he put the plan in motion. You know how much faith that takes to put this type of plan into motion when you have waited patiently for so long? It takes faith to walk the Lord's path and to be 100% trusting in his plan, doesn't it? Abraham in this, did you notice what he said? He said, he told his two servants, he said, I'm going to, me and the boy, we're going to go over here and we're going to worship. Then we're going to come back. He knew in his heart, I'm going to follow the Lord's plan. I'm going to trust in the Lord's plan. You know why? Because God made me a promise and he doesn't go back on his promises. He says, so whatever the Lord is going to ask me to do, I am simply going to do. I'm going to trust him in it. You're talking about, last week we were talking about blind faith. That is blind faith. When there's, uh, I remember my dad, he used to, my dad was in the military. And uh, uh, he was just a regular army guy. Um, and, and, I don't know, private first class. I don't know much about all that stuff, uh, unfortunately. I just, I'm super grateful for our men and women. Amen. Um, and but he told me about how these special forces guys, and I always dreamt, like, I was like, ooh, maybe I'll be a special force guy, you know, because what young, young boy doesn't want to be like, you know, guns and all that stuff. And, and he said, well, here's what they have to do. They take them to areas to test them, and they blindfold them, and they take them off to, like, cliff areas, and the, they spin them around in circles, blindfolded, and so they spin them around, and they don't know what direction they're walking, and they say, March. And they could be marching directly towards the edge of the cliff. They don't know where they're going. 
And the guy says, march. And when they go, and he tells them, says, stop. The guy stops. He said, because if you don't stop, when the guy says, stop, if you're not trusting in him, you might die. Now, the truth is, he might be telling you to march and just walking this way, nowhere near the cliff, right? I mean, you don't know, though. You have to put complete faith and trust in this guy. I don't trust people that implicitly. Therefore, I didn't go to the military. So, it wasn't, wasn't going to happen. But I trust in Jesus Christ. I've trusted my life to him. I believe every single word that this book says. And I know that he has my good for me. I know that he has a perfect plan for me. And so, therefore, I am going to walk and to move and to surrender and going to give my life over to him because he has my life in his hands, whether I give it to him or not. Do you realize that for any, any, just, just understand, your life is in God's hands whether you want to believe it or not. He holds your eternity. Whether it's going to heaven or whether it's going to hell, you're in his, you're in his command, you're in his army. Think about that for just a second. Which side do you want to be on? Which side do you want, which side do you want to land? Like he says, be on the side of light. So, so, so again, it takes faith to walk in the Lord's path. It also takes faith then to respond to the Lord. Take a look at verse 10. It takes faith to respond to the, to the Lord. Then Abraham, in verse 10, then Abraham reached out his hand. He took the knife to slaughter his son. Not only did he, did he hear what God asked him to do, not only did he follow through with the plan, but now he's actually even responding to the Lord's command. He has now taken the knife, he has lifted it over his head, and he's like, God is going to stop me if he chooses, but I am going through with what he's asked me to do. Is that where we are in our lives, in our walk with the Lord? To be like him with the knife in hand, ready to kill his one son that he's waited 25 years for? Is that where we are in our walks? And it takes faith, and this is, this is probably one of the biggest ones, it takes faith to hear the Lord. So it says there in verse 11, it says, But it, the angel of the Lord then called to him from heaven. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He says, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. If this story doesn't give you pause, give you chills, makes you think and ponder, give you, give you, uh, give you like just this burst of energy to go, I want to be like Abraham. Doesn't give you confidence in the Lord and the way that he provides, the way that he keeps his promises, this, this little short set of verses can change your entire walk with the Lord. It can change your entire life. And here's what I want to do. Timmy, you can just leave all those just up there. I think there's one more, actually. There you go. Leave all those up there if you would, please, sir. Here's what I want you to understand. When I told you that it takes faith to wait on the Lord, and these are questions not for you to answer out loud, I just want you to sort of ponder these for yourself, okay? How long have you been waiting on the Lord today? How long have you been waiting? Have you given up on something that you've asked for? Remember, Abraham, he, he, they wanted children. And when the Lord finally came and said, I'm going to give you offspring, he waited for another 25 years. He was 100 years old. That means he waited, do the math, carry the one. If, if he was, let's just call it 20 years old. He's like, hey, I want a kid. He waited 80 years for a child. For the child that God promised him, he waited 25 of those years. Have you given up on something that you've asked for from the Lord? 
something that you really felt, just super convicted about. You're like, Lord, I need this. Lord, I'm praying for this person over here. Lord, I need you to change and move in their life. And then you find two weeks later, you're like, eh, it hasn't happened yet. Have you done that? I'm not a betting man. but I'm willing to bet you have. Because that's who we are as Christians. Do you pray without ceasing, believing that the Lord will hear your prayer? Remember, we have talked about, and I have preached through, that Jesus Christ hears you. But do you believe that in your heart? Do you believe it? Do you pray without ceasing? Scripture tells us to do that. It says pray without ceasing. I have people in my life that I pray for consistently. I have to. I have to believe that the Lord is going to interject. He's going to intercede. He's going to change their life because he changed mine. And if he changed mine, he's bound to change theirs. I mean, are we faithfully waiting on the Lord today? Those are all just questions for you to take home and ponder, okay? I'm not up here to put you on a guilt trip. It's my job to point you to what the Word says and get you to think. In the area where it says it takes faith to trust in the Lord's plan, I'm going to ask you, how trusting are you in the Lord, really? A lot of us say, oh, I'm trusting the Lord's plan. Oh, he's, he's God. But are you really? Are you really trusting in his plan? When, and, and, and so I reached out to my mom yesterday just because I wanted to make sure I had some of these facts straight because some of this stuff happened when I was, when I was younger. But when I was young, and she said I was maybe around four-ish, we were at a Catholic church picnic. And as we're at that Catholic church picnic, she said, um, my brother's, wanted to go play games, and I was sitting there eating. You knew me when I was little. I was serious about food. If you know me now, I am serious about food. Um, we don't, I don't get up from the table and leave scraps. No, it doesn't happen. Um, it, you know, I sat there, and my mom said, do you, do you want to go with your brother's place? And I said, nope, I want to finish my food, evidently. I don't remember any of this. She's, this is her telling me, but... She said, as I'm sitting there and eating, and she said, I'll sit here. She sent my dad off with my brothers and said, you know, go, go have fun. I'll sit here with him. She said, this man approached from, uh, from behind us, and she said, he came up and he patted my shoulder. And he just looked at her and he said, he's going to be something really special one day. She said, at the time, she thought, you know, I'm my kid, yeah, I agree with you. You know, and I, I'll tell you, I am pretty special. Um, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just, please don't take that to heart. I'm just being silly. Um, but she said, since then, she's wondered. Maybe, what, maybe this was just a window into where God was going to be leading my son. When I was probably a little bit less than 10 years old, I personally remember telling my mom in the back seat of our car, I said, I'm going to be a priest one day. I remember it vividly. Now, we went to a Catholic church. It was the only thing I knew. So I said I was going to be a priest. Um, I didn't know any other words. No, I didn't know reverend or pastor or preacher or any of that kind of stuff. Priest was the only word that I knew. And then I only remember ever saying it once. Sort of a fleeting thing. And, and you know, here I am today. Wonder now, looking back, I go, maybe this was a pointing. God was going, hey, I'm just going to start putting these little things in your life, in your mind. And, you know, I just wonder... If, looking back, maybe these were sort of those beginning calls to ministry for me. I've always been one who wanted to serve. I've always been one who's wanted to give and um, aid others. And, and I've had a desire to lead um, in capacities. And, and, and a lot of times those leads uh, never worked out. They never panned out. I think it's because God was shaping and molding and directing me to the calling that he had for my life. And um, I know that from that time to the time that I actually received my calling to preach was about 20, 25 years later. And I just wonder, with all of that time that it took, and, and specifically the time that I know the Lord called me to preach and, and I fought him on it, I said, no, I don't think so. And we went back and forth and 
I just wonder, is there a plan that the Lord is calling you to for your life? That maybe he's reached out to you when you were younger, and he's given you a little tidbit of what it's, what it's going to be, or maybe he's even touched your heart even recently, and thinking, no, I don't think so. Maybe the Lord's leading you and guiding you. I'm not a perfect fellow. I'm a regular guy. I didn't think this is what I was going to be doing with my life. Many of you would say, I know for a fact you like to talk. I don't. As much as you think I do, I don't. I get nervous. My tongue gets tied. My stomach likes to flip upside down. Preaching scares me to death. Mostly because of what I read in Scripture where it says I'm twice as accountable. as terrifying. I want to do what God has called me to do, and I want to do it as best as I can possibly do it. It's the reason that we take every Sunday to God's Word, and we say this is true. I can stand up here and tell you a whole lot of things, but taking you to God's Word and His truth is the most important job that I have in my life. What is the Lord's plan for your life? Are you, are you contemplating what his plan is for your life? Have you thought about or even recognized the fact that the Lord's even calling you? Because it's tough. I'm not going to be honest. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's hard. To live a life of servant, servanthood is, is it's difficult. But man, it's a blessing. It's 100% a blessing. And I think anybody who has who has been in a position where they can serve in God's plan will tell you, I have been blessed way more than I've ever given. Way more. I go to people's houses and I talk to them. I've done hospital visits. I've done funerals. I have done many, many great things in my short time as a minister. And let me tell you, I have walked away with more blessings. My wife and I have been in situations where we just thought, man, Look at this work we're about to do. And then all of a sudden, we are ministered to. And we go, wow, that didn't go at all like we thought. How did we walk away being the ones being blessed here when we were supposed to be the ones doing the blessing? When you are serving in the Lord's way and you recognize the calling that he has upon your life, that's one piece of it. The next part of it, though, is to walk in the Lord's path. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt a calling in your life, if you've felt this call to do something. But my question to you is, if you have, what are you doing about it? Are you doing anything at all about it? Are you running from it? That's what I did originally. Are you afraid to just simply admit it? Because I was there too. Are you scared of the commitment? Listen, when you commit yourself before the Lord, um, it's serious. Are you worried about what other people are going to think about you or what they may even do to you? Are you scared that maybe you're going to lose friends or maybe make some enemies? I can tell you 100% when I announced my calling to ministry, I immediately lost friends. Immediately. Gone. People we had talked to, spent time with, spent the night in their house, uh, kids played together, gone in a flash. And I had to be okay with that. I had to. Because I knew that what God was calling me to was so much greater. And it makes you wonder, well, how great of friends were we to begin with? So are we more concerned with these kinds of things over what the Lord is calling us to? Are you afraid that you just aren't simply qualified. I don't have formal schooling. And for some of you, you may say, yeah, I can tell. I'm just trusting God here. That's all I'm doing. I'm trusting the Lord. And, and I'm seeing the fruit of what the Lord is doing. Not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to be honest and follow and, and just walk in faith. And that's what I want each of us here in this church to do. I want to encourage you to step out in faith and to just simply do what he's calling you to do. Let's do it together. I'm no better than any of the rest of you. I'm just the guy that stands up here. 
And God, that God said, I want you to do this. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Finally. But are you worried that you're not qualified? Are you worried that you feel like you don't have enough knowledge, enough education, enough skills, enough time? Maybe it's something else that you go, oh, I'm, just, I'm just not ready. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next year. But is that God's plan for you? Is he calling you to something now? And are you putting it off? See, these are questions I can only ask you. You're the one that has to deal with it. I've got the easy end of this deal. I get to pose these, these, provoking, uh, the, these, uh, these provocative questions to you that, that makes you just simply go, oh, it's uncomfortable, right? Are you afraid, and this is a big one, are you afraid that you're too far gone? Are you afraid that you're too far gone that God can't use you? Because I'm telling you right now, that's Satan and he's lying. He can use you. He wants to use you. He has a desire for you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent Jesus Christ to die for you. If he didn't love you, if he didn't want you, if he didn't, didn't like, have a need for you to go out and to share the gospel, you wouldn't even be here today. He would have been like, bing, get to go ahead and get rid of them. What's the point? Do you feel like you're not worthy? You feel like you've got way too much dredged up in your past that's holding you down. Well, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as his blood covered you and your sin? Because if that's the case, let it go because he already did. Don't let anything in this world hold you back, especially Satan. Because you know what? Jesus has already defeated him. He's got no hold over you if you belong to Jesus Christ. Period. Make a choice today. Commit yourself to the Lord and what he is calling you to. And be serious about it. Because then you have to respond to the Lord. The day that I surrendered myself, I was in the truck. And he's like, I'm on you. I want you to preach. I want you to do these things. And I had my vision and hold up the Bible and, and all of these things. And I finally just went, yes. Let me just tell you, number one, it was a huge relief. I wasn't fighting him anymore. I wasn't losing the battle anymore. I just simply joined his team. And, and what an amazing relief that it was, even though I already knew the pressures of this was going to be huge. The responsibilities of this were going to be huge. I was relieved because I stopped fighting God. Are you fighting God? Stop. Don't fight him. He's for you not against you. He is for you 100%. And here's the thing. When you say yes, even though it was a relief, it was the hardest word and the hardest yes I've ever said. I'm not going to lie to you. It was so difficult. And when you say yes, you can't take it back. That's the biggest thing. I also committed one year. I would read the Bible four times in, the, in, in, in a year. All the way through, Genesis to Revelation, four times. God, I'll commit to you, I'll do it. And then I thought, what have I done? But I did it. Lord got me through it. And, and uh, you, when you make a commitment before the Lord, you don't want to let him down. So say yes and say it with conviction. Answer him and say yes with conviction. But here's the thing, and this is... I apologize if I end up going a little bit longer here, but I want to let you know that I'm tired. This is probably the hardest part for me. I'm tired. Physically, I'm exhausted. That's just the truth. I'm a bivocational pastor. I have a secular job with Norton Healthcare. I have, whether the church wants to realize it or not, I am full-time here worked really hard to do what we're doing here. Whether you realize it or not, or if you question it, I guess come walk a mile in my shoes. And I'm not telling you that to drop some big huge bomb on you. I'm not leaving. So go ahead and let out a sigh of relief, or maybe you're like, darn. I'm just simply wanting to let you know I'm tired. Physically, I'm exhausted. I wear just about every hat there is to wear in this church. That's just the truth of it. 
Spiritually, though, where I'll tell you that I'm exhausted physically, beyond that spiritually. And here's why. It's not that I'm growing weary in my position here at the church. It's quite the opposite. If you can't tell, I'm very passionate about what I do. I love the Lord. This is the best part of my week. I get to come and stand here and preach the word of God before you. And like sometimes I go, Lord, please change it so that I can not have to have the secular job. And I get to just do this all the time. This is what I know he's called me to. And I've told you before, admitted to you in this church before, if I ever have to choose, this is what I choose. I'll drop the other in a heartbeat. I firmly believe in what God has called me to do, but spiritually it is draining to see what Christians are doing and where we are in Christianity. I love what I do here. I love reaching out to the community. But what I'm the most tired, what drains me the most is the lukewarm Christian. And this is the hard part today for me. It's the lukewarm Christian. Francis Chan sums it up like this. He says, lukewarm people don't really want to be saved from their sin. They want only to be saved from the penalty of their sin. I love Francis Chan. And here's a question for you. Are you hot or are you cold? Because scripture leads us to this as well. Are you hot or cold? It's a question that was asked of the church in uh, Laodicea. In, in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, it speaks to this specifically. And I want you to really take to heart. I want you to hear this because these are words that are written in red in your Bible. It says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's a clear message from Jesus Christ. He says, if you're just going to simply be lukewarm, I'm just going to spit you right out. It doesn't pay for you to be lukewarm. It doesn't pay for you to not pick a side and ride a fence. You either believe in Jesus Christ and you follow him or you don't. You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. You either believe by faith or you don't believe by faith. You either accept and, and believe in the blood that was shed on your behalf to receive forgiveness of your sin or you don't. You either go to heaven or you go to hell. There is only one way or the other. It is black and white. And the world wants to tell you that there is a gray area that you can believe in, that you can trust in, and I'm telling you they are all full of crap. The world is going, listen, the world is leading, leading Christians straight to hell. That's what the world's doing. James, in chapter 2 of James, get this, he says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things that is needed for the body, then what good is it? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We're not saying that we believe in a faith-based works here. What we're saying is that because of my faith, I do the work. Because I believe in what Jesus Christ has done for me, because I believe in what, what he leads me to, because I have received the salvation of Jesus Christ, because my sins have been covered, I want to serve others, leading them to that same ideal, leading them to my Savior who can then save them as well. I want to do the work because of what's been done to me. Not that I have to do the work so that I can be. That's not what we believe in. It's not what we teach. But you see, a faith that has no works in it, what good is that? That's a lukewarm Christian who just simply says, I can show up on Sunday, I can fill the seat, I can check the box, and then I get to go claim it. I can blab it and grab it. I can go do whatever I want to. I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And oh, let's look at me. I'm just, just taking it in. I'm telling you, you're at risk. 
you're at risk. I'm not saying that you've got to step up and wear every single hat in this church, like oftentimes I do. But I am saying that you have a responsibility as a Christian. You have a responsibility to give. Because the Lord has blessed you with much. You just, let's, just, let's just be honest about it. We need to give. We need to give of our money, of our time, of our talent. We need to give of ourselves, don't we? Don't we, don't we have a responsibility to take the things that the Lord has blessed us with and say, here, I want to give that back. I can't tell you what to do or how to do it. It's between you and the Lord. But one of the things I'm most tired of is just playing church. I'm tired of playing church. I'm not playing church anymore. This isn't just some imaginary game where we come together and we say, wow, look at what good we did. I'm tired of playing church. It's not a country club here either. You don't have entitlement to anything. Whether you're a member or you're not a member, you're not entitled to anything. It's all God. None of this belongs to us. This building, it's not mine. It's not yours. It's God's house. We're here to come and to worship and to be encouraged and, and to, to find a way so that we can go out and serve and to go and make disciples of all nations. When we, can, when we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we answer to that call, that's faith. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and we believe in him and him alone and we say, yes, that's faith. Faith is believing in the one who was born of a virgin, who suffered and died on a cross, for, all sin, for our sins, who rose again three days later to be seated at the right hand of the Father, and then who is absolutely 100% going to come back again one day to call us home. That is faith. So I'm going to challenge you to be able to hear the Lord today. Do you feel like you hear the Lord calling you to something? Do you do you feel that he's, he's connecting with you and, and the Holy Spirit is guiding you towards something? Are you willing to respond to that call today? Are you ready to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ today? And are you ready to go and to make disciples for Jesus Christ today? Those are the questions I'm going to ponder to you, or, or to, to give to you to ponder. And my challenge to you is that if you feel in your heart that the Lord is calling you to something more, maybe it's to just simply give your life over to him. Maybe it's to, to do something more here in the church. Maybe it's to go and do something in a ministry that's outside of this church. Whatever it is that you feel the Lord calling you to today, my challenge is for you to, to do that today, to commit to it today. My challenge is going to be for you to, by faith, stand and come forward. Most of the time, you're going to hear me tell you, I don't care where you are, just stay in your seat, blah, blah, blah. I want you by faith to walk. Jesus Christ carried a cross, and he walked to the place that he gave his life to. I want you to contemplate what the Lord's calling you to do. And I want you to walk towards him. And commit your life. Give your life. If you feel that today, then I want you to come forward. Between you and the Lord. All I can do is encourage you in it and then make a promise to you that if you have something that the Lord is calling you to, I will walk with you. 100%. You heard me say I'm tired. And I'm never too tired to serve the Lord. He gives me energy beyond anything I've ever imagined. And those of you who have talked to me privately or, or whatever, you know where I stand. And I have made commitments to walk with people, and I do it. So that's my challenge to you. Worship team, come forward. If you would, please. They are going to lead us in song, and I'm going to pray for us. And this altar is open.
I want you to just move. As Sierra said to us earlier today, be free to move in the Spirit. Let Him move. Let the Holy Spirit work. Stop stopping Him. Don't be critical of what needs to happen. We have got to commit ourselves to the Lord, and we've got to become serious about it. The world's not getting any better. You all hate it when I walk back this far, don't you? Look, we do this as a church. We do this together. We do this as Christians, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And I want you to join with me. I want you to join with this church. I want you to join with fellow brothers and sisters that are out there. I want you, more importantly than anything else, I want you to join with Jesus Christ. And if you're willing and ready to make that commitment today, come forward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Jesus, I just give all of this back to you today. And I ask for your spirit to just move oh so freely here in this place. Help us, Lord, to not be lukewarm Christians. Help us, Lord, to become full disciples of you. Help us to answer the calls that you have placed upon our lives, Lord. Help us in our times of weariness and exhaustion and instead, Lord, to be pumped up and lit on fire for you. Help us, Jesus, to willingly and sacrificially commit ourselves to you. To answer that call, what is it that you want us to do with our lives? And more importantly, God, help us to do it freely. So Lord, as we close here and we play this final song, I pray that you would draw people, that you would open up their hearts, give them the encouragement to just simply move to get up, to move and shuffle their feet towards the front of this church and commit themselves to you, to ask for your forgiveness, to commit themselves to something that you are calling them to, Lord. I ask them to answer a call. Jesus, help us to answer the call. We thank you today. Put all of it in your holy hands and ask for your way and your will to be done. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this in your most precious and holy name. Amen.